0: This morning, we are kicking off a new sermon series that is all about healing. Uh, You know, one of the most persistent images of God that we get throughout the entire Bible is that God is our healer. Throughout the Bible, we see God healing people uh, emotionally, spiritually. We see God, in some cases, healing people physically, uh, so many ways. And and, uh, the whole biblical story is the the story of God healing all of God's creation. And so throughout this sermon series, we're going to be looking at God's healing work from several different angles, and we're going to be thinking about this question of uh, what does it mean for us that God is our healer? I think this is a a super relevant question because if we're honest, I think most, if not all of us, would say that we have brokenness in our lives. We have wounds in our lives. We're carrying pain that needs to be healed. Certainly, as we look around at this world, we see people and and situations that need to be healed. And so what does it mean for us that God is uh, our healer? I'm excited to to dig into this with you. Before we get into today's message, uh, our scripture reading for this morning, comes from the gospel called Matthew, um, and we're going to be looking at chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. It says this, As Jesus continued on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a kiosk for collecting taxes. And he said to him, follow me. Uh, he got up and followed him. As Jesus sat down to eat in Matthew's house, Many tax collectors and sinners joined Jesus and his disciples at the table. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. Go and learn what this means. I want mercy and not sacrifice. I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners." This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, today, uh, in this first installment of our healing series, I wanna talk about something that I know is uncomfortable for many of us, but I wanna talk about it anyways because I think this is really important. And if this starts to make you a little nervous up front here, uh, hang with me, don't tune out um, because I think you're gonna find this helpful uh, and even encouraging, uh, believe it or not. So, what am I talking about? Well, today, uh, I want us to talk about sin. Uh, what is sin? Uh, how do we think about it? Uh, d- does sin even matter? Now, I know as soon as I say that word, uh, there are probably some of you who go, hey, whoa, uh, if this is the kind of church where the pastor's going to get up and preach about sin, then I think I'm out because I've been there, I've done that, and I got the baggage to prove it. I know some of you are coming from a church background where every sermon you ever heard was all about sin. In fact, more specifically, every sermon you ever heard was all about how you are a sinner or finger pointing about how this group or, or that group is is sinners. And there was guilt and there was judgment and there was, there was shame. I know some of you are coming from a church background where sin was often used as a weapon to, to beat up on people. And in this twisted kind of way, beating up on people about sin was supposed to shame them into coming back to God or guilt them into believing in Jesus or something like that. Um, and if that's your background, uh, maybe for some of you, that's the reason why you walked away from church or you gave up on the Christian faith because it was always all about sin and it was all about this God who seems so vindictive and, and spiteful, this God who seems to care more about the rules and enforcing the rules than God cares about People, if that's you, uh, I don't blame you for not wanting to hear another sermon on sin. But hang with me here; don't tune me out just yet, because what we're going to talk about today is a very different perspective on what sin is, and, and it's certainly a very different perspective on on God. Now, I know that uh, others of you, you're coming from like the exact opposite kind of church background, and I'm more in this camp myself. Uh, most of the churches that I've been a part of throughout my life, uh, they really haven't talked about sin much if at all. Uh, Because the churches that I've been a part of have really wanted to keep the focus on God's love and God's compassion. And and the implication is often that, you know, if sin really is a thing that exists, uh, it's it's not something that God is all that concerned about. And so the implication is then that, you know, if if it's not something that God's real worried about, then it's not something that we need to be real worried about either. Maybe others of you are, are coming from a church background like me where sin just didn't get talked about all that much. Well, what I want us to see this morning is that that perspective is partly right, uh, but only partly right. That yes, absolutely, God is a God of love, and God is a God of compassion. God is not vindictive. God is not spiteful. All of that is true, absolutely, no question. Uh, And yet, Scripture is quite clear that sin does exist, and it is a problem, and God is not okay with it, and Jesus himself is clear. That sin does exist, and it's a problem, and God is not okay with it. In fact, uh, one of the main reasons that Jesus came into this world and lived and died and rose again is to save us from our sin. So so clearly, sin is something that God is really concerned about, and that means it's just not quite right for us to ignore it or act like it doesn't matter or just sweep sin under the rug. Uh, But that leaves us with this question— of how can we, on the one hand, affirm that God is loving and compassionate and God is not spiteful and and vindictive, and at the same time acknowledge that sin is real and it's a problem and God is not okay with it? How can all of that be true at the same time? This is such an important question because, as you can probably see, this gets right to the heart of who God is. And this gets right to the heart of how God relates to each and every one of us. Well, apparently, uh, Jesus himself, he also thought that this was a really important question uh, because Jesus knew that people of faith often wrestle with this question. And I think Jesus knew that when we get the answer to this question wrong, we can wind up with this misrepresentation of who God is. And when that happens, as some of you guys know from your own church background, that can be really, really Harmful, And because Jesus cares about us, he doesn't leave us to just try to like work all this out on our own, but Jesus actually addresses this question for us. And, and in this story that I just read from Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is speaking directly to this. And the, the answer that he gives us here is so revolutionary, and it's so helpful, and it's so liberating. So how does Jesus teach us to think about sin? How does Jesus teach us to think about sin? sin. Well, let's dig into the story and see what we can learn here. Uh, it starts out like this. Uh, one day, Jesus is walking through this village called Capernaum. Uh, Capernaum is this little fishing village that's right on the, the edge of the Sea of Galilee. I had a chance to actually go and visit Capernaum several years ago. In a beautiful place. So Jesus is walking through the village and he happens to, buy, to pass by this booth uh, or, or kiosk, um, as some translations would have it, uh, where people would go to, to have their taxes collected from them. And as Jesus passes by this booth, he looks inside and he sees this tax collector hanging out in there. And this tax collector's name was Matthew. Now let's pause the story here for just a, a quick bit of background to, to set the stage for the rest of the story. Now, as we've talked about many times before, if you've been uh, worshiping with kindred for, for some time, uh, at this point in history, Israel was occupied by the Roman Empire. And the Romans would impose these very, very heavy, these these like brutal taxes on the Jewish people. And of course, the Jewish people hated that. But what made things even worse was not only the the Romans, not only did they tax the the Jewish people, but then the Romans would use that money to pay for the Roman soldiers who were in Israel oppressing people, uh, mistreating people on a daily basis. So the effect was the Jewish people were being forced to pay for their own Oppression, you can imagine how they felt about that. But there was actually a group of people in this society that the Jews hated even more than the Romans, and that was the tax collectors. The tax collectors. Now, why do people hate the tax collectors so much? Well, uh, when the Romans were going around collecting taxes, sometimes they would actually use their own soldiers to, to do that work, but a lot of times, more often than not, they would actually recruit locals. They would appoint some Jewish people to collect taxes from their fellow Jews, and the way that these tax collectors would make their living is that they would overcharge people on their taxes, and then they would get to pocket the difference. And there wasn't really any regulation going on about how much the tax collectors could overcharge people. So typically, they would overcharge a lot. And that meant these tax collectors, they were getting rich by effectively stealing from their own people and working in cooperation with the Romans to oppress their their fellow Jews. So you can see why the tax collectors were so hated and, and despised. They were among the most hated people in this entire society. Well, back to the story. So again, Jesus is walking through Capernaum. He passes by the tax collection booth. He looks in. He sees this tax collector named Matthew. And for some reason in this moment, Jesus decides to go and approach Matthew. And what does Jesus say to him here? Do you remember? Does Jesus berate Matthew for being a sinner and a sellout and a disgrace to the people of God? That's not what Jesus does. Uh, Does Jesus condemn Matthew for violating some of God's most important commandments. No, that's not what Jesus does here either. Instead, Jesus does something that is just completely unthinkable. And that is Jesus says, Matthew, come and follow me. Come and follow me. In other words, Jesus is inviting Matthew, the tax collector, to come and be one of his own disciples. You know, we can imagine what Jesus' other disciples thought about this. You know, there was upstanding disciples like Peter and James and, and John, good respectable people. And I think they had to be standing there thinking, Jesus, what in the heck? This is a tax collection. You can't call him to come and be one of us. But after Jesus invites Matthew to be uh, one of his followers, uh, the situation gets even worse in the perspective of the other disciples because Jesus then goes and he, he has dinner at Matthew's house, a house that was probably really nice and paid for with stolen money. But Jesus goes there anyway, and and while he's there, Matthew starts inviting a bunch of friends. And you can imagine who the friends of tax collectors are. It's only other tax collectors and and other sinners. And, And so suddenly, Jesus is in the midst of this party, this dinner party, where he's surrounded by all these sinners, all these people who just blatantly disregard God's commandments. And Jesus' other disciples, they're, they're watching all of this thinking like, W-T-H, Jesus. I mean, what, what is this? And just about the time they're, they're trying to wrap their heads around why Jesus is doing this and why Jesus is like at this party with all these sinners, apparently just having a great time uh, about that time. These, th- these Pharisees come up on the scene. Uh, quick pause here for background on the Pharisees. The, who are the Pharisees? Well, uh, they were a group within Judaism at this time, and they advocated a very strict adherence to God's commandments, a very strict adherence uh, to the Jewish law, which is a, a part of what we now call the, the Old Testament. And they figured that you know, if God went to the trouble Of giving us these rules to live by, then God's deepest desire for us must be that we follow the rules. And this is important to see that just like many of us were taught in the churches that we grew up in, uh, the Pharisees believed that sin is ultimately a violation of God's rules. And they believed that God's primary response to sin is punishment. God's primary response to sin is punishment. So the Pharisees. So that's who the Pharisees are. So you can imagine what happens. They roll up on this scene where Jesus is partying with a bunch of tax collectors and and sinners. And they go up to Jesus' disciples and they start kind of mocking them. And they say, hey, uh, we we thought your teacher was supposed to be all holy or something. We thought your teacher was, was supposed to be sent from God. And if that's the case, what's he doing partying with sinners? I mean, if he was really sent from God... He wouldn't be partying with these people. He would be condemning these sinners. He'd be punishing these sinners. If he was really sent from God, he would be hanging out with righteous, rule-following people like us because that's what God is like, the Pharisees say. Well, the disciples, Jesus' disciples, they're they're standing there and they don't really know how to respond to this. Uh, In fact, honestly, I think a lot of the disciples probably agree with the Pharisees. They don't know why Jesus is doing this. But Jesus overhears what the Pharisees are are saying to his disciples, and he comes over to confront the Pharisees. And in this moment, Jesus says something that is so simple and yet so profound. And Jesus gives us this whole new perspective on what sin is, and he gives us this whole new perspective on how God responds This is so important. Don't miss this. We get this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. Jesus says this to the Pharisees. He says, Healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. Healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. And then he goes on to say, I didn't come to call righteous people. He says, I came to call sinners. I came to call sinners. Well, do you see what Jesus is doing here? Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, in effect, uh, look, you believe that sin is ultimately a violation of God's rules, and you believe that God's primary response to sin is punishment. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It actually goes way deeper than that, because what sin actually is, is that sin it is a disease. Sin is like this, this sickness. It's this disease that causes people to do things that are harmful. Sin is this disease that causes people to do things that are harmful to themselves. It causes people to do things that are harmful to other people. It causes people to do things that are harmful to their own relationship with God. And so uh, sin, in all of these ways, it, it keeps people... From being the people that God created them to be. It keeps people from living the kind of lives that God created them to live. It keeps people from enjoying the kind of relationships that God created them to enjoy. And yes, one of the effects of sin is that it causes people to break God's rules, and God is not okay with that. But it's not because God is vindictive. It's not because God has so much love for the rules themselves. It's because like a loving parent, God has given these rules and and these commandments to to guide people and and to protect people because God loves people. So so don't you see, Jesus is saying, that that sin is this disease that causes people to do things that are, are harmful. And so because of that, God's primary response to sin is not this vindictive desire for, for punishment, but God's primary response to sin is this deep desire for healing. For healing. God's primary response to sin is God is this deep desire for healing. So that's what Jesus is getting at. When he says this line about healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. Jesus is is saying, look, I'm not here to hand out rewards to the righteous. I'm not here to dole out punishment to to sinners. That's not what I'm about. Jesus is saying, no, no, I'm, I'm like a doctor. And I'm here to bring healing to everyone who needs it. And by the way, don't kid yourself, everyone needs it, so that they can be the people God created them to be, so they can live the lives God created them to live, so that they can enjoy the kind of relationships that God created them for. That's why I'm here, Jesus says. And that's why we see Jesus hanging out with sinners, calling sinners. Jesus knows that they, better yet, that we need to be healed. We need to be healed. So to get back to our original question that we lifted up earlier of, of how can we affirm that on the one hand God, God is loving and God is compassionate and God is not vindictive and God is not spiteful. And at the same time, how can we acknowledge that sin is real and it's a problem and God is not okay with it? How does all of that hang together? Well, Jesus shows us here. Jesus shows us it's about having the the right understanding of sin and what it is and the right understanding of God's response to sin. That sin is, is not just a violation of the rules. It goes so much deeper than that. Sin is this disease and it's because of God's love and it's because of God's compassion for us that Jesus comes to bring us what we need. And what we need is healing we need is healing. Once we allow Jesus to reframe our understanding of sin in this way, it kind of leaves us with a choice that we have to make. We have to choose whether we're going to respond like we see the Pharisees do in the story, or we can choose to respond like we see Matthew himself do in the story this story so what do the pharisees do well here's how they respond to all of this essentially they just keep pretending that they don't have this disease they they keep pretending that they're immune that they have no need of healing because they have no sin in their life and so what do they do well they do what religious people do so often which is they start judging 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 or they they keep judging They, they keep the focus On other people and the way other people are falling short and what they don't see is that all of their judgmentalism it's doing harm in other people's lives and in some ways it's doing harm in their own lives and the harm that they're doing is actually proof that they do have sin in their lives after all they're they're just not acknowledging it so ignoring sin uh, pretending like they don't have it that didn't help the Pharisees but that just made their whole situation worse Uh, A quick illustration uh, about this same dynamic or a similar dynamic. Um, uh, This summer, I uh, had an injury in my shoulder. I was working out and and got this injury and uh, it was painful. But at first, uh, like on some level, I knew that I should like slow down and take some time off and and rest up, you know, and and allow the, the injury to heal, but I didn't wanna do that. And I was being impatient with it. So I just pretended like the injury didn't exist. And I just kept working out like normal and, and all of this. And uh, as you can imagine, uh, the, the pain didn't get better, but the, the whole situation got worse. And that's kind of how the Pharisees uh, approach sin. You know, they say, I don't have it. Uh, you know, that's for other people. I don't need healing. That's for other people only. Well, as the pain got worse with my injury, eventually it got so bad that I was forced to admit that I was injured and I did need help. And so I went to a doctor and I got some medication that helped a lot. And I took some time off to rest and and let it heal. And that that helped a lot. The, The lesson for us here is don't be like the Pharisees, pretending that we don't need this kind of healing that Jesus has come to bring us, but instead... We should be like Matthew. We should be like Matthew. So what did Matthew do in response to this uh, from Jesus? Well, um, we have to remember that throughout Jesus' whole conversation with the Pharisees here, uh, Matthew himself was right there. I mean, he was within earshot. And that means that Matthew heard Jesus call him a sinner. Matthew heard Jesus say that he was sick and that he needed healing. And what did Matthew say in response to this? Did Matthew say, huh, no, Jesus, hang on, I'm not sick. You know, how dare you call me a sinner, Jesus? No, that's not what Matthew said. In fact, Matthew didn't say anything. And why didn't Matthew say anything? Well, it's because Matthew knew that when Jesus was calling him sick and Jesus was calling him a sinner, he wasn't insulting him. That wasn't some kind of a put down. It was a diagnosis. Jesus was simply diagnosing him. And Matthew was actually so grateful for that. Matthew was so grateful that God loved him enough that despite all the ways he had fallen short, despite all the harm he had caused, despite all of the commandments of God that he had broken, sometimes intentionally, that nevertheless, God loved him so much that God would bring him the healing that he needed. Matthew was transformed by that and so after this matthew did go on to to follow jesus he ends up becoming one of the the 12, one of the inner circle of jesus's closest disciples and he learned from jesus and he allowed jesus to lead him away from this life of sin and into healing instead and it transformed his heart and it transformed his life so much so That Matthew had this burning desire that he wanted to share the story of Jesus with many, many other people. In fact, he wanted to share his own story with many other people. I wonder if you noticed that the the book of the Bible where we get this story is called Matthew. Do you know why this book is called Matthew? It's because Matthew the tax collector is the guy who ended up writing this book later in his life. After Jesus' resurrection, after Matthew had become a leader in the early church, he decided to write a book all about Jesus. And in that book about Jesus, he includes his own story. This is actually autobiographical from Matthew. I mean, what what a powerful testimony to the healing power of Jesus. What a powerful testimony to the importance of acknowledging that all of us need the healing from sin that Jesus came to offer to us. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. So uh, if we can be less like the Pharisees and if we can be more like Matthew, then we can stop being so judgmental of other people and we can be free to, to be really honest about our own tendencies to do things that are harmful, harmful to ourselves, harmful to others, harmful to our relationship with God, and then we can find healing as we, just like Matthew did, as we follow Jesus. And that means that we can be more fully the people that God created us to be. That means that we can live more fully the lives that God created us to live. It means we can enjoy more fully the kinds of relationships with God and other people that God created us to enjoy. Let me pray for us. O gracious and and merciful God, Uh, we thank you that you are not a God who is spiteful and vindictive and punitive, as unfortunately many of us have have been taught or given the impression in the church backgrounds that, that we're coming from, but we also thank you that you're a God who cares enough about us to not just ignore the sickness and the disease that we have, But God, that that even though sometimes we don't want to hear this news that we're sick, sometimes we fall into that trap of trying to pretend like we don't need help with this, nevertheless, you know what we need. And you give us what we need. And so you come to us to lead us into a different life, to lead us into healing, to show us a better way. God, give us the grace, give us the humility, like Matthew. To not be offended by this diagnosis, but to be grateful for this diagnosis and the the love that prompts it. And the love that prompts the healing that you give us, God. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would make us mindful of the ways this disease of sin is affecting our lives. As painful as it can be to sometimes take a close look at that. But we know that we can do that, God because of your loving, compassionate posture towards us. We know that we can be honest about the ways that we need to be healed because we know that you love us unconditionally and that you're going to keep loving us and and keep working on us to, to keep healing us until that day comes when we are fully and finally healed and we can live forever with you. God, we're so grateful for all of this. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, uh, thanks again for tuning in. As always, if you have questions or follow-up about the sermon, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, Definitely check out the video description below for announcements and uh, other important information about things that we've got going on. Uh, I hope to see you in person at some point. If you live uh, in our area, look forward to that. And uh, may the peace of Christ be with you. Have a great week. Listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.